on a scale of one to ten, how much do you love Stephen King? <sighs> ten out of ten. That is the right answer. Why do you think I'm on this podcast, baby? Did you know there are other worlds in these where they all float or get a bad disease? Let's all go to Castle Rock. We can hitch a ride with Christine. And you will find the dairy connection. And we can party like it's 6 Welcome to episode four of the Dairy Connection podcast. I'm Maya. I talk about Stephen King here and on my website, dairyconnection.com. I am joined today by my very special friend, Joe. Hi. Hi, Joe. Um, so, Joe, you uh, how, you and I know each other, I guess, through D&D. Is that fair? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, through work, but we bonded through Dungeons yeah. and Dragons. Yeah, we do like nerd stuff together. Yeah, lots today. of nerd stuff. One of the nerd things that we did together was we saw Misery on Broadway. Ugh. Oh, God. <laughs> what? Can you just really quickly, can you just like review Misery on Broadway in one sentence? Bad. <laughs> I guess I haven't seen too many Broadway shows, but I was excited for, and they're usually really upbeat and fun, and I was excited for one that was going to be like super scary and have a lot of, you know, just terror moments. And it just, uh,. <laughs> Every time that there was going to be something really scary, they just like hedge their. They just pulled the punch and threw in a laugh line after. Yeah. Can I? I can talk as much spoilers as we oh, want yeah. on this, right? Spoilers all like over the place. When, um, when Annie, right? That's her name, Annie. Yeah. She goes to like chop off Paul's leg, and in the in the book and in the movie, it's this fucking terrifying, fucking terrifying moment where she, and then she's just she does it in the in the show, and it's it's fairly. You know, the effects are fine, but then she's just like, isn't this fun, Paul? In like a campy, really campy way. Yeah. And, and everyone in the theater around us laughed. laughed. And everyone was like, this is supposed to be so scary. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, the whole tone of it felt wrong. The set was cool, like the spinning house. The set house, was really cool. Um, it was cool being in the same room as Bruce Willis. That was cool, even though he was the worst part of the I did like not <laughs> feel like Broadway was his strength. <laughs> Broadway was not Bruce Willis' strength. Uh, not. Yeah, it was not the best. Not the um, best. But we but had fun. Yeah, we we had a good time, and we you and I also talked a lot about the Dark Tower. Yeah. So you you read it, I think, before I did, right? I actually, yeah, I actually did. So I think Night Shift was like the first Stephen King written. I, I, I don't want to say book, but these are short stories. But yeah. the first Stephen King thing that I read, and I think I read Carrie, and then I went immediately to the Dark Tower. Mm-hmm. And you have very much the opposite story. Like you've read Lots pretty much every Tower. other Stephen King. And then the Dark Tower, yeah. which is approaching this big thing, like from two different ways, which are both interesting. Like, yeah. you're hunting for connections in the Dark Tower, yeah. and now I'm working backwards and hunting for connections in the other books that go back to the Dark totally. Tower. So it's like a weird switch. Yeah, I think both are fun. I yeah, it's uh, based on how much fun I have doing it and how much I you seem to have. Like, it seems to be both very valid ways of doing yeah it. well and one of the things so we're, we're gonna be talking about night shift today the mm. collection of short stories um one of the things that i thought was so cool about reading night shift is i haven't read a lot of his old stuff recently so yeah. i read his classics like when i was in middle school mm. high school but since i started looking for connections i haven't really been rereading them so this was the first one i read i think this one was written in what like 78 a or lot something? of i mean this came out I think in it was published in 78, 78 but then yeah most of the stories are 77, 76. And even 60s, And even 60s, yeah. And it's all from the different uh, pulp magazines, right? All the different horror fiction stuff. Right, like a lot of these were a lot of the first things that he ever wrote. Yeah, I was going to ask you when, like, I looked in the, you know, the copyright and I, you know, recognized the dates, but I don't have those dates in in reference to, like, when he actually started writing. Yeah, I do. I have a whole timeline. You do. What was his first, I mean, his first book was Carrie, right? His first book was Carrie, so that was in 74. That was in 74. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, some of these are like 70 and a lot of these are around that time though, 71. Yeah. I think the earliest story was published in 68. I don't in remember the, which one collection. it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so those range from 68 to 77. Yeah. And then, yeah, this came out in, in 78. Yeah. And it, so it's interesting because the, so the only things as far as the public knew, because he wrote one Bachman book before Night Shift. But the oh, only mm-hmm, the only things that had been published from Stephen King before this book came out were Carrie, Salem's Lot, and The Shining. 
and Wait, like really so that's all that's that came it. out and then this yeah okay that's interesting to think about yeah and i i mean obviously like, there's a lot of connections to salem's lot which we'll talk about um mm-hmm. but i like i just thought it was so cool because this was like this some of the stories in there are not scary at all so i was trying yeah, to imagine there's a few that are not not so scary right like imagine you are a fan of stephen king's from like carrie and salem's yeah. lot and then you pick this up and you're like what is going there's and like it's sci-fi and it's, and it's there's a di- like yeah it's a different it's a very different type of I mean, I guess all of them do. Er, most of them have still a horror element. Yeah. But they're not. They're not comparable. Many of them to Carrie or right. to or to Salem's Lot right. or anything. They're not super scary. I felt yeah. most of them. Like, what was your general take on the book? Like, did you did you like it overall? Yeah, I really liked it. I mean, I again, this was the first one that I've read by him, like the first piece of writing by him that I've read, and so from that perspective, it like got me into him in like I thought what what was really an accessible way. Like, oh, like he writes about a really diverse range of subjects and has a you know can approach a lot of different writing styles, a lot of different point of views. And so I thought that was super cool. That we should mention my executive producer Brendan is sitting here pouring us some wine. Thanks, Brendan. I thought I thought <laughs> he was about to jump in the mix. Uh, no, he's just. But he's just over doing overall, audio. I really liked it, and so much of it is that pulpy, pulpy horror, just like thing under your bed or creepy monster. And I yeah. I love that type of stuff. That's just like stimulating, like a weird sci-fi monstery type of my imagination. It's just like yeah. This is cool. Well, let me tell you what my reaction was because I actually sort of hated that formula. The whole thing? The whole book? Uh, not the whole book, but like the – so I – so it's a lot of mostly really short stories. There, right. There's a ton of stories. I don't – like let me see if I can there's see like, how many. Well, I mean ba- I think there's 20 based on yeah, the Yeah, there's doc. 20 stories in there, so it's a lot. And I I think I got like maybe three or four stories in and started realizing that it's sort of the same formula in every yeah, single story. Yeah, it's very formulaic. Where, which like I'm not used to that from Stephen King. Right. I guess other people might disagree, but I feel like he's creative and he gets really deep into yeah. backstories and like you never and really know what's coming and next. there's none of that in here. Right, and this was literally like normal person, something weird happens, that weird thing gets worse, the person thinks they have solved the problem <laughs> and then they're trapped. And then it ends, yeah, yeah. and it ends with just like, they're, like and, the, and the world is doomed. Yes. Um, um, so I like I got really annoyed by that a few stories in because I was like, all right, I'm not going to read 20 stories that just mm-hmm. have the exact same formula. But then I think at some point, I forget exactly which story it was that I had this realization. I It sort of occurred to me that it, it was kind of genius because it was like he was taking all these really different stories mm-hmm. and it was almost like he was experimenting with like writing that formula for different kinds of stories. Yeah, and I mean, and like some of these are so obviously precursors to what became full novels. Yes. I mean, Jerusalem's Lot obviously became Salem's Lot. Yeah. Trucks became Christine. Yeah. So like it's... It's it's almost maybe maybe this is again this is because it's his early stuff you know is this him becoming a stronger writer like laying yeah. down these foundational strokes like okay I've mastered how to do right. like a good short scary right. story I, that was and my, then I'll yeah. fuck with it later on right I think yeah I think that's a really good interpretation I think it really was like because I know he he takes writing very seriously mm-hmm. and I could see him I don't know if this is true but I could see him sitting down and being like I'm gonna like do this yeah, experiment exactly yeah and you then right and it's like sort of he's like like filing these ideas away for later yeah. um, you could see him testing things out right. it's you c- it's very it's a very scientific yeah. process by which he's writing like, right you know i need to hit points boom 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 like i'm gonna hit the climax right. but in between he does all kinds of crazy and stuff. and it's still still yeah his yeah. he's his genius is already shining through yeah. with like really unique characters and like i think the flavor of a lot of these short stories is is different than what you'd expect it's not yeah. some of them are really simple but like like the boogeyman is extremely yeah, simple. Yeah, I did not like that. And one. yeah, it wasn't very good. But like, and that's <laughs> him doing the formula and not straying in it, straying from it yeah. in any way. Versus, I think like something like Quitters Inc. It's it's somewhat of this formula where you're, but then he puts a little bit of his own twist on it, and you could see yeah. his style starting to really find itself. I guess. Yeah. about quitters inc so i heard that <laughs> apparently he the ending of it where so spoilers mm. again where he shakes hands with the wife and she's missing a pinky right right apparently that's like stolen from a rolled doll story that ends the exact same way really and i looked it up and it does end the exact same it's what like rolled doll hey what's up it's me brendan uh and i'm peeing on this episode anyway 
Uh, yeah, Roldal wrote some really, really, really horrific shit. Um, stuff about like uh, people being uh, thrown into like human body factories and stuff, and like getting mutilated and their organs and stuff getting ripped out. Like Roldal had, uh, he was on like literally both sides of the spectrum: children's books and just like the craziest shit you could possibly imagine. Thank you. So I looked it up. It's That's called The Man from the South. It's a short story. And at the end of the so I don't know what I don't know what the story is about. But at the end, um, the woman reaches out to take a key to a car and she's missing fingers on her hand. So apparently that's the thing that um, that's interesting. Yeah. Huh. So I don't and that let's just check and this. I, I, this was I written. Oh, that was written in 1948. So, so I, yeah, mean, that I, I guess that's maybe brings up a good a good time to bring up the point that while he is finding himself like he he clearly is drawing influence in these stories from other authors. Right. Yeah. So. That that about Roald Dahl is interesting. Jerusalem's Lot is like almost stylistically. I mean, obviously not word for word, but an H.P. Lovecraft story. Yeah. So let's talk about that because I've never. I don't know anything about Lovecraft. Really? Okay. But like that. So when I was well, like one, he's up he's really racist. He was really racist. So okay. just like take that with a grain of salt. Like, okay. I, I don't want to get into the stuff, but I think you can still enjoy his stories. But yeah. he was kind of a weirdo. Um, and there's a lot of like different speciation stuff that you see in okay. other old writers where it's like, oh, there's different species. And I think that might be an analog for different races, which is right. not right. But anyway, stylistically, it's like yeah. almost exactly the same, like written with these like heavy, heavy settings mm. and like H.P. Lovecraft. So the annoying thing that Stephen King was doing where it was like old timey people writing yes. letters. OK, I hated that. And, and especially like writing and reading correspondence. Like okay. that's a big H.P. Lovecraft thing, because a lot of his characters are like librarians or archaeologists who are like going through historical documents that unlock the mysticism or like the horror shit. Got it. Um, OK, that makes more sense. Yeah. And apparently H.P. Lovecraft had a story called The Rats in the Walls. Really? Yeah. OK, I mean, and they like clearly allude to that. Yeah. in Jerusalem's lot. Yeah. Which is. I mean, they end up not being rats, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I that that is that is interesting because I was going to bring that up because I don't know anything about Lovecraft, mm. but I kept seeing that everywhere, like yeah. mentioned in conjunction with this book. But I think you're right that like he, this was him becoming a writer, yeah. and I th like he talks all the time about how heavily he was influenced by other writers. Mm -hmm. And he mentions, I mean, he mentions Lovecraft as an inspiration. Yeah, I believe, yeah, right. Yeah, for sure. He, I, I went to an event he was at last week. You mm. know, um, I was in the same room as him. <gasps> Telling everybody. Uh, and one of the things he talked about was when he first got interested in horror was when his mom uh, y used to read him and yeah, his brother I've like read, stories I've out loud. Read some of this before. And so he said he remembers there was this one night where they were like out on their porch and there was a thunderstorm and their mom was reading them um, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Mm -hmm. And she was like doing it like she was like reading all oh, the voices. Like, yeah. And he was like, I just remembered I was so like thrilled and scared yeah. and upset. And I was like, I found my calling in life. <laughs> So I think, like, I think he does, like, he, I don't think he's ashamed of, like, borrowing from other No, yeah, I mean, obviously, later on, he really found his own voice, but yeah. at least Jerusalem's Lot was, like, maybe these writers' names are lost to my knowledge, and largely to history, I'm sure buffs, buffs know them, but, like, the people who are writing these pulp stories, like, he didn't originate that formula for, like, the boogeyman or for the mangler, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's a formula that he took upon himself, and shame on me for not knowing a lot of these writers names but i mean it clearly he took something from them yeah um do you want to know the other stories that apparently were inspired by lovecraft yes i do um i know what you need oh because it's like lovecraft also really likes voodoo type of like okay. um you know mad old school magic and type of got uh, it so similarly children of the corn yeah i was i was wondering if children of the corn was somewhat inspired it felt like it felt more stephen king than lovecraft to me like that yeah. was almost like that was one of my favorite stories in the collection um but i guess i can see some of the like lovecraft is big on ritual and ritual yeah. sacrifice and all that kind of stuff as well do you think i should read some hp lovecraft i i think so i really enjoy it there's and this is for all you listeners out there there's also a lot of uh hp lovecraft on spotify uh oh. as audiobooks and the narrators are pretty good uh so there's a bunch of creepy like i i remember like one or you know maybe a year ago there was like a overcast autumn weekend which is also like perfect lovecraft setting because he yeah. sets it in the northeast in these old colonial towns where it's getting cold and damp and i like walked around my neighborhood listening to that and i was really scared yeah um <laughs> but he lovecraft is cool he does a lot of just like straight up spooky stuff and then 
also he does like crazy shit where he goes into like the dream world and there's all these weird creatures living in the dream world and then yeah. they like follows them up to the moon and like insane stuff but i would highly recommend yeah, it yeah that does sound cool are it there ones cool. where they're not writing boring letters to each other or are they all like that yeah so not all of them are one of the ones i can remember recently is it's a guy walking around he move he he is a writer i believe and he goes to this town to write books but eventually he uncovers all this creepy shit going on in town which is you know feels right up stephen king's yeah. alley and he lovecraft does some sci-fi as well a little bit um, yeah outside of the whole Cthulhu stuff, which is, you know, Cthulhu's fine, but it's like, there's other stuff too. Yeah. I One take that I saw that I really liked was someone said um, that uh, Jerusalem's Lot was very clearly a take on mm-hmm. Lovecraft, mm-hmm. and then Graveyard Shift is sort of the same story, but not Stephen King being Lovecraft. It's just Stephen King being Stephen King. So it's like he's taking yeah. the same concept, mm. but making it fucking crazy and, Do like, weird. The same concept in that, like, he's going into the basement of this building and there's big animal like yeah so it's like the same sort of setting the but same it has se- all same the, all setting the, like yeah. stephen king things yeah. um i so have you ever do you know the the graveyard shift was made into a movie did you ever see that i have not seen that i haven't seen it, it either is it all about is it rats? Is, it's the same thing it's, it's literally just like a factory full of rats and <laughs> when i was in maine when i did the stephen king tour we went by the factory where they filmed the graveyard shift movie was it in bangor yeah or it was so like, I think it was like right outside. Do of you know if that factory was an inspiration for Stephen King also? Like maybe there I was. I feel like it probably maybe, was. Right? Although I don't know if it, in 1970 when he wrote it, if he was oh. living in Bangor or not. Mm. But either way, it was cool. That's cool. And it looked just like it was described in the story. That's cool. One of the reasons that this collection is uh, notable is mm. that so many of the stories were made into movies. Yeah. Um, do you know which ones were turned into movies? Only from your doc and the fact. Oh yes, that I I've did share a I mean, spreadsheet with I've you. S- and I've seen, I've seen Children of the Corn. Um, I think actually that's the only out of all. I haven't seen that many movies in my entire life. Um, <laughs> so I ho- let's I've only talk se- more about that. Why haven't you seen? More I movies I in just your don't entire have life? the patience for it. I just feel like, damn, this is two hours. Like that's so long. But you have the patience to read twenty short stories. Yeah. Wow. I don't know. That um, the last guy who was on my podcast last week said the exact opposite. He was like, I never read books. I just watch like I, a million I movies. guess also because I can read a book for like two hours and then I feel like I can go do something else. After I watch a two-hour movie, I usually need a nap. Okay. Um, Interesting. <laughs> sure. Uh, so, yeah, I haven't seen that many movies. <laughs> <laughs> Joe keeps getting scared every time the air conditioning turns it on. It startled me. So, um, so six of the stories in the book that I know of, I don't know, maybe there's more now, but I think it's just six. Um, mo- well, you have one, two, three. Oh, wait. You have oh, like sorry. Eight, eight. So there's oh, six start- movies, okay. but I think a couple of them are part of like collections. Right. So I want to say The Ledge and... The Ledge was made into Battleground are the movie? ones... No, those I think were part of an anthology horror movie. What was that? Like, um, it was all like movie short stories yeah it was okay like that's that that feels more fitting. yeah which i think could be cool but so the other ones that were turning so graveyard shift is a movie um so it's like a factory full right. of rats the mangler is a movie which i haven't seen but it I sounds awesome i really want to s- yeah based on i mean i like the story the first time i read the and the second you know when i reread it for this yeah. and i think it's awesome like that i want to see that movie is I it o- it's old or new um it's definitely not new 80s 90s probably i don't know but i like i can't imagine it's well done yeah it's got to be horrible but yeah um, but i would watch it um battleground i think was a like a short a uh, part of a movie trucks was um maximum overdrive yep the movie which i haven't seen but i heard was terrible i haven't seen it okay um, mangler is from 95 okay so yes it's terrible uh four out of ten imdb yeah guess what percent on rotten tomatoes 18 <laughs> a little better 27 okay yeah, I'll watch it. <laughs> I'll I'll watch this. Yeah, I I'd watch it. And then sometimes they come back was a movie. Um, the ledge I think was a short thing. It, 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 sometimes they come back. They is that related to Pet Cemetery? So okay, when I was reading, sometimes they come back. I kept being like, this feels so familiar. Yeah, it feels. Bas- so I I haven't I haven't read Pet Cemetery, but I obviously know. Yeah. W- um. What's up with it? Pet. So not only is Pet Cemetery the same concept in that like dead right. people come back, but. 
in Sometimes They Come Back, there's this whole thing about how it's a teacher who has a student yeah. comes back, and, and that's, that's exactly the concept. And that's exactly, that's exactly the concept of Pet Cemetery. So one of the things that happens in Pet Cemetery is um, uh, one of his – so the guy whose kid dies later in the book – um, oh, it's like not his brother; it's his kid. Then, and yeah, like, so it's a little but bit it, different. Yeah, but so his one of his students. So in Pet Cemetery, one of his students dies, mm-hmm. and that guy com- I, comes. I forget back. if he actually comes back or if he just sort of haunts him in his dreams. Yeah. But it's like that's the guy who's haunting him the same way that these people are. Okay. Um, but I like I I had to look it up because I was like that can't possibly and be. And it's a big in the short story. It's a big plot point about like he's like when he's investigating how they come back. He's like it's it's due to that specific cemetery. Yeah. Like yeah. Um, and then the Outsider Children of the Corn. So the last one that was made into a movie was Lawnmower Man. Yeah. You and I were just talking about this. So you were only <laughs> vaguely aware that it was turned into a movie. I So I knew that La- – I've never seen Lawnmower Man, but I yeah. knew that it was like a movie that people generally say is a bad has movie. Has Eric seen it? He has, and he loves it. He talks about it all the time. Is and it a, It's a cult cult type of movie, or is sort it – Sort of, although I don't know anyone else who likes it besides him. Besides Eric. But uh, we – so I looked it up wha- after I finished reading – so just for the for Brendan and the people who are listening – uh, the short story Lawnmower Man. Joe, do you want to share what that's about? Yeah, I'll give a quick synopsis. It's one of the shortest stories in the book. Yeah. I, I One of the ones I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> basically, this guy, he lets his lawn go. He, like, stops mowing it. I, for, I f- They give a reason why. I forget, though. Oh, because someone's cat gets sucked into his lawnmower. So he doesn't oh want yeah, to la- mow the lawn So he doesn't yeah. want to mow the lawn anymore. Um, so he, he calls a random <laughs> number in the newspaper. A guy shows up. Uh, a gross fat guy. A big gross fat guy shows up, and he's like, "All right, go <laughs> cut the go cut the yard." <laughs> and he then looks out the door a minute later, and the dude is naked on his gra- on his yard, just eating all the grass, just fucking eating it, like yeah. eating, 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 eating it, and like getting fatter and getting and fatter, fatter, like as turning he eats into like turning into like a goat, and then it turns and he turns into like, um, what's it called? Pan. Not well, Pan is the god, but he turns into like a fawn. Yeah, a really fat, gross fawn with yeah. like green, green juice coming out of his yeah. mouth, and like he just fuck and, that, and yeah. then he eats the guy. Right, and then he eats the guy, and that's literally the, guy, the whole the guy, story. The guy calls the cops. He's like, "This guy's <laughs> eating my yard," <laughs> and and the, the guy's like, "You shouldn't have done that," and then he, <laughs> he just eats fucking him. eats yeah. him. Yeah, one of my favorite stories. <laughs> So that's the whole story. So I looked up Lawnmower Man the movie because I was like, how the fuck is this a movie? Yeah. And I knew vaguely that Stephen King sued the guy who made Lawnmower Man Wait, the movie. Really? Yeah. So Stephen King sued the guy who made the movie because he was like, this isn't close enough to my short story. Okay. Like, it shouldn't have the name on it. And it got bad reviews. So he was like, I don't want my name right. attached to this. Um, but I, I was like, how was this even a movie? I looked it up. The plot is absolutely completely Really? What's unrelated. the plot? It's like... So there is a guy mowing lawns, but that's the only similarity. <laughs> Wait, really? There's I uh, I vaguely remember it's a really weird, like complicated, confusing plot. But I think it's like there's a mad scientist and there's a guy who's mentally handicapped who's cutting his lawn, and he starts like giving him m- some kind of drug to make him really smart, and then that guy does get smart, and then that guy I think has sex with the mad scientist's wife in virtual reality. Virtual reality? Yeah. Wow, I want to meet the person who produced this movie because. <laughs> They, I, I obviously I'm <laughs> sad that it was really bad and Stephen <laughs> King got mad, but I love how much liberty he took yeah, with the plot right. and <laughs> just ran with it. I do feel like you would probably like the movie. Yeah, I mean, it seems yeah interesting. But I understand why Stephen King sued him. Um, so your point about every th- so many of these being adapted into movies yeah. or TV, do you know how Stephen King is? in terms of how he works with movie studios or directors, is he more stringent than most, less? Because like, there has been there have been so many adaptations in uh, you know outside of this book even, and so many of them have been great, so many of them have been terrible. Like, yeah. Do you know his point of view on movies and adaptations of his own work? Uh, so what I know, it, it depends on the adaptation, because some of them he's involved in, mm-hmm. some of them he's not. And I know, like for example, there's that classic, like he hates Kubrick's The Shining. He yeah. thought it was terrible, even yeah. though everyone else liked it. Um, uh, my impression is he tends to reserve judgment while the movie is being made and then he tends to like sort of give his take afterwards mm-hmm. and for the most part i've seen him been been be like pretty and he's pretty suppo- supportive uh, even like even with the dark tower that's what i was he, thinking of like he, he still was like hey yeah. this is my thing yeah like, i specifically remember before i saw the dark tower i saw he, that he tweeted yeah, it was good so like, i was hey, like go oh how it. bad could it be uh, and i was uh, sad i think he i think hollywood tweeted that one for yes, him probably yes but, but um so do you know the whole thing about the 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 dollar baby thing that he does no 
so Stephen King, it was actually while he was writing Night Shift, he, um, or like, I think or like right after that or something. Or so he started getting a lot of requests to turn his short stories into, um, into movies. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the people who were reaching out to him were like film students who wanted to make short oh, films cool. based on his stories. So he, against his, like all of his, like his publicists, his agent's like, advice, no. they were like, absolutely not. And he started this thing called Dollar Baby, which is if you're a student, I think you have to be a student. If you write to him asking for the rights to one of his short stories, only not the novels, just the mm-hmm. short stories, he will give you the rights to turn it into a short film. Wow. And then like you can send him the film, he'll watch it, and he has a whole collection of these Dollar Baby films. No. And so one of the ones that got made out of this book um, was The Woman in the Room, which you didn't love, but I loved mm-hmm. it. And it was made by Frank Darabont, who was 20 at the time. Mm-hmm. Do you know who Frank Darabont is? It sounds familiar. He went on to direct uh, Shawshank, oh. Green Mile, and The Mist. Wow, that yeah. is fucking awesome. Isn't that amazing? Is there any way to watch any of these student films? Like, is there a collection of them somewhere? Um, I don't think so. So Stephen King I just has a private collection in his house of thousands um, of uh, he, yeah, he student has, films. He has a ton of them. And I was looking at the list of Dollar Baby films, and a ton of them so were like... So is Dollar Baby the name of the production company or something? That's like, like his, um, his, his, pro- program, his program, yeah. Um, but like if you look on Wikipedia at the Dollar Baby films, like they don't have a full list of them. And the ones mm-hmm. that they do have, they're like, n- you know, no known copies Whatever, outside yeah. of Stephen King's house. Like, oh. Yeah. So some of them you can find, I think, if you dig for them. But for the most mm-hmm. part, it's like somebody in a film class made it into a movie right. and only Stephen King like, has seen it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I love that. Um, that's really cool. I did not know that. Yeah. Stephen King is pretty cool. He's a good guy. Yeah. He's a good fella. <laughs> This is th- my whole podcast is just propaganda for Stephen yeah, King I mean, fans. That's fine. <laughs> we we touched a little bit on how like there's a lot of similarities between mm-hmm. the stories. Something crazy to me happened to me while I was reading this book. Uh-oh. Where I realized I think it was like two or three stories in. I think it was after I read. Let me look at the list of stories. Um, yeah. So when it went from. Night Surf to I Am the Doorway, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's weird. Like, both of these take place on the beach. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, Jerusalem's Lot and Graveyard Chef were both about rats. Yeah. And then I started finding, like, the ones that are yeah, right next to um, each other. Yeah, they're paired up. Yeah that's, yeah, that's a good point. I What was the two that I noticed that? Oh, The Ledge and... So I started, as I was going, mm-hmm. I started writing, like, the themes in between each yeah. story. And it didn't really work throughout the whole book. It sort of fell apart. Mm-hmm. But um, I had this, like, crazy moment where I was like, am I, like, is Stephen King speaking directly to yeah, me, like, in is. some kind of secret code? Because I was like, oh, I, and there was one that was really crazy. Um, oh, the strawberry one. Mm-hmm. So when you, so in between, sometimes they come back, there's a guy with a strawberry-shaped mole on his chin. Oh. And then the guy in the next story is called, th- so the story is called yes, Strawberry Spring. And I was like, come on. Wow, I did not put that together. Yeah. So that I like once so I cool. started looking, I'm trying to think and if then, there were oh, any other Oh, and then other Children ones. of the Corn and Last Rung on the Ladder. Like both about both, kids. Both kids in playing in like hay and corn. And both in Nebraska. Nebraska I was going to say, is mm-hmm. Last Rung on the Ladder in Nebraska. Yeah. But like I, I went into this crazy like Trying mode. to like pair them together. Yeah, where I was like, oh, I figured out the secret yeah. of Stephen King. Mm. Um, let's talk about Nebraska for a second though. Okay. Um, so Stephen King, so you know how Stephen King usually writes stories about places where he's lived mm-hmm. or where he right. likes so the places where he usually writes stories are Maine, obviously, yep. um, Colorado, yep. which I think he either like lived in or he drove through. He well, has so some like relationship I, with Colorado. I've listened to this podcast where I think it was Lore. You know that podcast? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about the hotel that The Shining is based on. Yeah. And the story, uh, the podcast basically ends with um, the narrator guy saying, and this all happened. And you know who was staying in the hotel at that time? Stephen King. Right. So that's what it is. He stayed at the hotel. Yeah. So yeah. he stayed at that hotel. Yeah. But what others, I guess the part of the stand is in Colorado. No, that's Vegas. Where the does the stand? Well, the stand is all, so I'm actually reading I mean, it's all right over, now. but where does it end up? It's, um. The final confrontation is in. I think it's, isn't I it say Vegas? Vegas? Okay, never mind. But I, but that one, that one also has Nebraska in it. Yeah. It was, is, is what's her name? The old lady in Nebraska? Abigail, yeah. Okay. She is in Nebraska. Yep. I was going to ask you that. Yeah, so I so I was looking up like so the place he talks so it's right, like right. Maine, Colorado, Colorado um, and then Florida. He has like a summer house mm-hmm. in the Keys. Um, all the be- all the beachy stuff. Yeah, and I was like, I didn't understand why he had. So he has all these things about Nebraska. So just a night shift. Yeah, yeah. There's um, Children of the Corn, obviously, like mm-hmm. takes place in a remote mm-hmm. place in Nebraska. Last rung on the ladder has like that's where the kids grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, in it, um, Ben at, at one, did you read it? Yeah, yeah, I, I read it. Um, so Ben, I think when he's older, lives in Hemingford Home, Nebraska, which is the same town that's mentioned in well, who, he didn't, he Last didn't Run on the Ladder. 
Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. He. I think oh wait, he moves it's there the same. It's the same town even. Hemingford Home, yeah. So he talks about that a lot. Oh, that's in neat. 1922, which is coming out soon. The the mm. movie, I, I think it's on Netflix mm. in a couple weeks. Um, that farm that's in that story takes place wow. in Hemingford Home. So did he ever go to Nebraska, or is that his just ideal so Midwestern? Yeah. Flavor? So it's so when he talks about it, he's like, yeah, like that's sort of like heartland America, and corn to him mm. is like this horrifying thing. Right. Um, is he actually scared of corn? Like, is that? I guess. Okay, Seems I didn't like know. If I thought you had a story like he <laughs> choked on a corn cob when he was 12 no but so when he was little Stephen King was very into this mass murderer at the time so th- this mass murderer <laughs> that course. I think I think was happening when Stephen King was like nine or ten yeah. his name was Charles Starkweather you may recognize the name Stark from the dark half or you may not nope. so in the dark half uh, the author who's the main character of that story mm. has like an evil sort of imaginary oh, twin whose name is George Stark and so uh, that's like based on this guy so his name was Charles Starkweather and he went on a murder spree across several states, including Nebraska, and Stephen King was obsessed with him. And so that was what inspired a bunch of characters in a bunch of his stories, including the kid in The Stand is based on Charles Starkweather, oh, like the psycho oh, kid. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, that's very cool. Yeah. Um, so I think that's where his like his obsession with Nebraska started. From this killer. I wonder yeah. what his mother like thought when he was a kid like asking about this murder. I mean, considering that his mom read him scary stories in creepy she voices, I think she, she was kind of all about it. it yeah. <laughs> The story that you mm. didn't like, the woman in the room. Was that about his mom? Mm-hmm. Ugh, I was hopeful. It doesn't mean I you have to like it. I know, but I was hoping that it wasn't the case because that just makes it worse. Yeah. That's, so his that's not what ha- he didn't. That's not based on his own. What is his mom died of uterine cancer in 1974. I, y- yes, but he didn't help her out. No, I do <laughs> not think that he murdered <laughs> his dying mother. Um, but I, but it's, uh, you but know, the, the themes of the story that are about yeah. like how hard it is to lose a loved one yeah. and how weird it is to see your mother in that state. Like, you know, speaking a little personally, like my grandfather passed away recently, not from cancer, but like he was in the hospital and like my parents had to figure out like, you know, are, what are we going to do? Sign DNR and stuff. And so like yeah. you know, these types of thoughts, I mean, not through my parents, but through someone like Stephen King, like these types of thoughts, I'm sure pass through his head and it's like his way to kind of process like am I really fucked up and going through this, this type of crazy thoughts about my mom? Yeah. Like, I, I, it, it felt like s- such an odd ending to the rest. Like it was really, I felt stand, the same way. It, it was such a al- weird it stands alone from every other, yeah. every other, um, every other not, uh, short story in here. I think it's also the only one that wasn't published previously. So it's like he had this collection of story okay. stories going out is and this, he sort of like dedicated stuck this to his mom. There. Do you know? I don't know. You have the weird tattered book in front of you. Joe has a copy of Night Shift that looks like it went through a dryer or something. It went through the mangler. The mangler. Hey. Oh, that was, that was better than my uh, joke. <laughs> what What's is a MacGuffin? Uh, a MacGuffin is like um, the money in Psycho or uh, the Ark in Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's the thing that makes the story happen. I see. So you're saying that looks this like some sort of like... This is a haunted book. There, the, the worm thing, Joe. What worm thing? S- mysteri- oh, the mysterious mis- mysteries, mysteries of the worm? Yes. Yeah, this is that book. Um. <laughs> so the other similarities, uh, so his mom died from cancer, but also in that story, the main character has an adopted brother, so does Stephen King. Oh. And the guy in the story has drinking problems, and Stephen King did in the <laughs> 70s. Yes, big time. Yeah. Did he, one of the things he likes to talk about a lot are like the different kinds of horror. Yeah, I remember him talking about it. It wasn't in this forward because yeah. I, was, I was looking forward to write it down. But yeah, there's he has two or three different types of horror. There's horror, which is like the mangler, like just, you know, a creepy monster or like the werewolf or a vampire. You know, that's just horror. Like it's a scary thing. And there's terror, which is like Children of the Corn. It just fucking terrifies you. And yep. like, like this is a, a terrifying incident. And then I don't remember the third one. So I looked it up. You're close. The three types of terror. Oh, three types of terror. Mm-hmm. Okay. The gross out, which is the sight of a severed head tumbling down a flight of stairs when the lights go out and something green and slimy splatters against your arm. Classic. Horror. The unnatural, spiders the size of bears, the dead waking up and walking around, when the lights go out and something with claws grabs you by the arm. Okay. And the last and worst one, 
terror when you come home and notice everything you own has been taken away and replaced by an exact substitute. It's when the lights go out and you feel something behind you. You hear it. You feel its breath against your ear. But when you turn around, there's nothing there. Hey. Sorry. What was the second one? Sorry. I, I, I don't want to jump in. What was the first one in terror? The gross out. It's oh, all, they're all you come I home and notice everything you own has been taken away and replaced by an exact substitute. You, it's that. It's that. <laughs> okay. It's, it's, all right, it's that feeling. It's that feeling. It's just like, like it's you get in there off. and just like something's like not your right. Your wife is still. Your wife looks like your wife, but she's like, you know, Hello, she's Joe, not, yeah. How was your day? And she's like holding a knife. Yeah. And you're like, you don't seem exactly something's like different. my wife. Yeah. <laughs> something. Did you get a haircut today? Something's different. <laughs> So speaking of Stephen King's <laughs> writing writing style, um, one thing that was really fascinating for me as someone who has read a billion Stephen King mm. books um, was that I noticed that. So he, ha- I don't know if you've noticed this. You, how many books have you read total by Stephen of King? His, uh, oh I gosh. mean, you read all of Dark Tower. Probably, I, mean, I guess that's what seven. I've read so that's seven and a half if you include went through the keyhole. Yeah. Um, I probably read about fifteen then. Okay. Yeah. So you've probably noticed that he tends to sort of like get stuck in a loop a little bit and he'll like use the same expressions yes. and like weird things. Oh, wait, I, are you serious? I was going to ask you about this. Yeah. Uh, I was going to ask you about this exact notice? thing because I've submitted to the Stephen King subreddit before. Like, what are his <laughs> what are his classic words that he loves? Oh, I was just looking at that thread. Uh, no, you weren't. Was that your thread? Was it by Joe Toenails? I didn't notice. I, the examples I used in there were chambray. Um, I think I was looking at no, the No, you wait, were wait, not. Wait, let me see are you is, serious? Hold on, hold on, hold on. What else did I put in there? Chambray. Uh, I feel like he uses like Adam's apple bobbing a lot. That's the one I noticed at least in this book. But I remember thinking the same thing where he. Okay, so the thread I was looking at was from ten months ago, and it was from a person named Porkfish. Uh, that's not. <laughs> Is that your no, I'm <laughs> Joe. T- I'm Joe Toenails. It's the exact same thing. So they talk about the the chambray shirts. The chambray is what always sticks out to me. Yeah, and I'm reading the stand right now, and one of the first scenes oh, has all a dude in all <laughs> chambray all shirt. The place. Um, chambray shirt, bodies piled like cordwood. Yes, uh, yes, Darkle that's and it. tinked. That's a big one. Darkle and what? Darkle and tinked. What's darkle and tinked? I don't know. Uh, shooting the shit doesn't know shit from Shinola. Yeah. Um, a lot of people talking about chambray in this thread. Um, so none of those were the ones that I noticed, but so I. I've been keeping track. So on my website, I, I keep track of, like, official connections, but I also have, like, a sort of subcategory for just themes. Mm-hmm. So that's, like, you know, he, he talks about roses a lot, and he talks right. about, like, um, my new favorite one is he always describes things as insouciant, which is, like, such yes. a weird word to use. Oh, okay. I found I found my thread. Um, oh, I, I mean, like, and also in here I mentioned he turtles, obviously, all over the place. Yeah. Um. Someone mentioned arc sodium lights. Uh huh. He loves that one. Half moon indentations from your yeah. Someone from no, your someone fi- said that in from this your one fingernails yeah. or on your uh, yep. tarpaulin. So I don't know. That doesn't sound too familiar. <laughs> pallid. Oh yeah, like pallid. someone is pallid. Yep. yep. Dog-eared pages. Yeah. Yeah, big time. His knees popped like gunshots. Uh huh. I feel like that's a major <laughs> dark tower thing, but uh, he definitely has used that yes. in other. Oh, it says someone read it in the stand twice within 50 yeah. pages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I like reading this book that was written before, like, because now when yeah, I read stuff, yeah, I'm yeah. like, oh, he was trying to tie it back to things. But reading one of the first things mm-hmm. he ever read, it was so fascinating because I was like, oh, he just found this expression and loved it and decided to use it all yeah. the time. So there were I a mean bunch it's that interesting. I re- we started ta- when we I were know. sound checking, we were saying cellar door and like, what are these yeah. words that we like? He yeah. has his own. We do not like cellar door. We, we do decided. not like cellar door. Um, okay. So the ones that I found. One which is really weird is Grigri, which I only remember because it was in the Green Mile. I, I don't know what that is. So Wait, they, that's like mentioned in this book? Yeah. It was in, uh, it's in The, the woman, woman in the Room. So it's like, I think it's like voodoo or something. And so in the oh. Green Mile, the guy, uh, oh God, what's his name? Um, Le, uh, John? You don't remember. You read three pages of the Green Mile. <laughs> um, Delacroix. Yeah. The, the guy who's from like New Orleans. Um. He, he talks he about Grigri. Oh okay. So I was just like, that's a weird thing. Like, I wonder if that's where he started. I don't know. Mm, Who knows? Yeah. Um, where he, I mean, it, it, it's like, you're almost looking at the first instance where he finds right, that like idea. Right, that's when he had the like spark this, of this the idea. This is where the seed is planted. Right. And then you can see later on, like, oh, he he liked this, this plant. Yeah, he was like, I'm going to make a yeah. whole character who talked yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
one is Hey Jude, which is in every oh, Stephen yeah. King book That's everywhere. Um, yeah. I'm trying to remember what story that was in. Um, oh, it was in. Was it, it Night w- Surf? It might have been in Night Surf because they mentioned what they were listening to on the station, the space station. I feel like it might have been Night Surf. It was that or it was either One for the Road where they listened to it in the bar based oh, on what was the jukebox. Maybe, I don't yeah. remember. It feels like both. But basically, it any time, been, it both, anytime honestly. in a Stephen King book in an apocalyptic situation, they, someone they will sing Hey Jude, hey Jude is the song in a way of like having nostalgia for when like humanity was okay. Yeah. Um, What's the one in the Dark Tower? Um, hey Jude. No, no, but then there's... um. It's the drum beat from ZZ Top or something like that. Oh, well, he also, yeah, he also likes to talk about, like, classic rock. <laughs> he's That's such his a, big he's thing. a dad. Um, Velcro Fly by ZZ Top. Yes, Velcro Fly. That I have was Google exactly right in front of me, so. Um, yeah, so Hey Jude is a huge one. Um, he talks about the Red Sox all the time. I don't yep. know if you know this, but he wrote a nonfiction book about the Red Sox. I didn't know that, but I've read, I, bel- I want to say this short, this short story, excuse me, is in Nightmares and Dreamscapes, another collection by him. And it's a it's it seems to be a nonfiction telling of a baseball game <laughs> where his son was playing or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, OK, this is not scary, but it's just about a baseball game that he likes watching. Do you know, so this is a little bit of a tangent, but I when I was in the same room as him last week, right. I heard a really cute uh, story that I didn't know before, which is, do you know, the G.I. Joe story? Does it have to do with Battleground? No, although maybe. I mean, it, probably. Battleground br- references specifically that they're G.I. Joe soldiers or toys. I think that's probably but okay, true. Sorry. So, okay, so basically, so um, Stephen King's son, Owen, who he wrote um, his new book, Sleeping Beauties, mm. with. So I saw that they were Is both Is this the there. first one that Owen's written with him? Yeah, the first collaboration. Is it any good? I haven't read it yet, but okay. I have it. I have a signed copy now from the reading I went to. Um, but so he, uh, he t- uh, Owen told this really cute story about how when he was little, he was really into G.I. Joe's. Mm-hmm. And uh, he Wait, came when up. Wait, w- sorry. What year was he born? Let's see. You Google it. Okay, sorry. Continue. Um, so when Owen was growing up in Bangor, he was really into G.I. Joe's. And um, he came up with an idea for a new G.I. Joe. And he went up to his dad and he said, Dad, I came up with this new mm-hmm. idea. And it was... Um, he okay, had this idea for a G.I. Joe. So, so Owen comes up to Stephen King and he says, Dad, wouldn't it be cool if there was a G.I. Joe called Cobra Commander? And Stephen yeah. King goes, that would be cool. He writes to G.I. Joe and he, he, you know, it's like a little typewriter yeah. letter. And he says, my son Owen came up with this idea for a G.I. Joe. It's called Cobra Commander. Isn't that cool? G.I. Joe sends them a box in the mail like a couple months later. Mm-hmm. And it is full of new G.I. Joes called Cobra Commander. And when you look up Cobra Commander's backstory, his name is, I, I want to say his name is Owen, and he's from Bangor, Maine. That's like his that backstory so as a G.I. Joe. That is so cool. Isn't that and, the best? And I feel like Cobra Commander's a well-known G.I. Joe. I had no like idea. That's a pop, I feel like I've heard that, that those words before. He's one of, he's one yeah, of the like main villains. I'm looking yeah. at the Wikipedia. He's the supreme leader of the terrorist organization Cobra. Yeah, he's the, he's the Cobra Commander. That's pretty cool. I wonder if um, if Owen King gets like credit for this because I don't see anything about it in the in the Wikipedia. So. Oh, I found it wasn't Cobra Commander. Oh, it was uh, someone named Sneak Peek. What? What are you talking about? The GI Joe. That that Owen made. Yeah, it says Sneak Peek. What? Real, that's what it says. I thought he made Cobra Commander. It says Sneak Peek, real name Owen King, birthplace Bangor, Maine. Oh, is he like related to Cobra Commander? Uh, nope. <laughs> He's a good guy. Wait. <laughs> okay, maybe he had Cobra Commander. Something I don't know. We can edit this out. No, we're leaving this whole <laughs> thing in. Okay. Brendan, don't edit this out. This is important. Hey, future me, don't edit this. <laughs> <laughs> fine. Okay, maybe it wasn't Cobra Commander. That's fine. I, I but it was still cool. Okay. That no, that's still equal. It's still super cool. Either way, Owen King got GI Joe to name a GI Joe after yes, him exactly. and send him a box of GI Joes, and that's awesome. He it's it's his, super, his superpower is that he has a periscope, like from a submarine, <laughs> but outside of the he water. He <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he just, so he can just see over the rest of the soldiers. Wait, so let me get a quick sneak peek there. <laughs> <laughs> so was that Owen's idea that he was like a submarine? I mean, guy, it sounds like a submarine. kid idea. Yeah, it's like, Dad, it's a submarine, but on land. <laughs> he's like, All right, I'll write this. I'll, to I'll write it show. down, and then he's like, Oh wow, they actually did it. That's so much sadder than if he invented Cobra Commander. Yeah, man. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> well. <laughs> so you were um, saying your favorite story? 
I I'm I don't want to I don't want to say Jerusalem's Lot is my favorite because it feels like a cop out because it's such a tribute, but it's between that and Children of the Corn. Um, Jerusalem's Lot, I just love. Like I know you don't like this old people yeah. looking up letters, but that type of history and learning about your ancestors and yeah. going to town and I just think I remember that I remember Jerusalem's Lot very very vividly. Like I them going into the town and like the w- just like the f- the way he described the church and yeah. everything like that was so so evocative. Written. Yeah. I just and for the record, I don't mind like historical things, but oh, okay. I, like this whole thing of like ye old oh, where it's like writing diary, dear Charles, <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. everything <laughs> is shitty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just get, like there's so much like, and he keeps being like something terrible has happened, but then yeah. he takes four pages because yeah. he's like the girls are fine. You know, it's like all yeah. of this like unnecessary. I, I see. I yeah. So so that that that's what's. Holding I like Stephen King because he gets straight to the point. That's that's what's holding holding me back from Jerusalem's Law is my so favorite. So you're thinking Children so, of the Corn. So the other one for me would be Children of the Corn because it's the combination of like I guess it's a it's actually a very similar setup to Jerusalem's Lot where they go into this town they don't know what the fuck's going on yeah. like then they go into the church and there's again it's like empty but not empty yeah and so there's a combination of like what we were just talking about right Ter- terror where you, it feels different but you don't know exactly why and a combination of that plus um the gross out where it's like the the um, kids the, the, the dead kids and like uh when his when he finds his wife dead she has the corn cobs in her eyes and like yeah. that kind of just like holy shit like some weird shit's going on in here did you ever see the movie children of the corn i have seen the show the movie what did you think of that uh i think i just watched it when i was bored but uh, and I, I thought it was fine it, it didn't it it was good it was good so I watched it when I was like thirteen. I I can't imagine watching it when I was really I young. I, I would have. I had so this whole scared. phase in middle school where so I I would go to the library every day after mm. school, um, and they had like VHS tapes that you could rent, and I got yeah. really into like renting horror movies. I don't know why because I hated all of them. I mean, but I I wa- that's how I watched Children Children of the Corn, The Exorcist, Carrie. I still have. And I would watch. I was thirteen. I would watch all of these things by myself at home because my parents wouldn't be home, mm. and I would just get like like when I watched Carrie, I wouldn't take a shower for like two weeks. Ooh. And the shower isn't even the scary part of that movie. Yeah, but I, was no, just, like, I associated it with that movie, so yeah. I was like, I'm not cleaning myself ever yeah. again. Uh, it was not good for me. And so Children of the Corn really fucked me up. I mean, I, I can remember uh, kind of I was watching it on a Saturday when I was hungover or something, so I was watching it half and, like, you know, on my phone yeah. half the time. But I, 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 if I feel like if I was in the movie theater watching it, it would have been very scary. Yeah. Um, what what were your favorite – what was your favorite story or what were I, some of your favorite I, ones? Okay, so I honestly think my f- – favorite might have been the man who loved flowers really that was your favorite it just made me so happy uh how did that was your whole favorite I th- one that well i think that was like my number one favorite but i think the ones that were close what? behind it were um quitters inc i loved quitters inc was really good it that was, was like really scary ac- and funny and yeah. weird and like unpredictable it was just that it that was felt like, the most like it was like also paced well and like you yeah. get you get the shock of like what the fuck's going on pretty early on, mm-hmm. and then they just like let that drip out and you yeah. s- like so the so the concept of Quitters Inc. Yeah. for for Brendan and our listeners is uh, this man who has a horrible life basically this, this is, hates you know, his wife, hates his, job, hates his drinks, job, whatever. He's bored, he drinks all the time, he smokes like two packs a day, whatever. Uh, decides to quit smoking. He goes to this place called Quitters Inc. Well, at the at the request of a friend of his, right? A friend who, of his who says, like was in a similar situation, like right, seemed and he's miserable. Like, My life is great and now. then he showed up, and he's like in really good shape. He's like, I'm super happy. Everything's fucking great. Yep. And so he's like, he passed him a business card, and he's like, you got to go to this place, Quitters Inc. I guarantee you, you'll stop smoking. The guy's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Goes there, and uh, initially he goes there, and the people are like, yeah, you know, like sign up with us, we guarantee it. Yep. We don't even charge you until Nothing, a year yeah. in. It's great. And the guy's like, okay, this sounds really good, but he's like, he's very um. He's like, you're going to have to prove it because I don't believe he's you. He's skeptical, yeah. Yeah, he's very skeptical. And when he comes back the set for his first treatment, uh, they lock him in a room. And they yeah. show him. in. He, they, like, open a little, like, one-way mirror into another room. And in there is a bunny who they push a button and the bunny gets electrical shocks. And he's like, that's horrible, but how is that going to make me stop smoking? And the guy says, the next time you pick up a cigarette, that's going to be your wife in there. Yeah. And he says, and if you smoke a cigarette after that, uh, we're going to beat up your wife. 
or something. Yeah, we're and gonna it, beat her up. And, and if, if you, you do it again, we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna like break your we're gonna son's break arms your son's off. arm. And if you do yeah. it again, they both go in the shock chamber, yeah. and it keeps getting like yeah. And it's like after yeah. yeah. And so so there's all this stuff. And, and, he's then like, and he says, you know, he's like, we're always watching you. Yeah, always. and they are. So there's at, at one point he does fuck he up, cracks. and he like in his car, he very briefly he like tastes a cigarette, and he's like, this doesn't even taste good, and he throws it out. He comes home, his wife's gone, and they have her in the chamber, and he has to watch her get electrocuted. And then what? What's the thing that escalates? Is he like, I'm gonna quit, or he he just he does it. I mean, he, he yeah. But there's one there's one thing where like he comes back and he's like, oh no no. So he so he makes it through like the first month or whatever that he's supposed yeah. to do, and then he's like, okay, I did it. Leave me alone. And they're like, oh no. We're oh gonna yeah, be, that's yeah, right. Yeah, they're like, we're gonna be following you for the rest, for the of, rest your of your life. life. And it, from this point on, if you pick up a cigarette, we're gonna cut off one of your wife's fingers. Mm. And if you do it again, we're gonna cut off her, you know, whatever. And so um, at the yeah. end of the of the of the story, he runs into the guy from the beginning, nope. meets her wife oh, for the yeah, first yeah. time, shakes her hand, and she's missing and a his pinky. Wife's missing a finger. Da. And that's how that's how all these stories end with like <laughs> that little twist of the knife. Yeah. And it's like like the mangler uh, ends with like, oh, we tried to get the demon out of the man out of the mangler. Couldn't do it. And then. I hear I hear something coming down the street and it's clanking. It's a fucking buck, giant and it's laundry a fucking machine. Giant laundry machine that's <laughs> gonna kill you. I think the worst offender of that was the is it the boogeyman? Where the guy yeah, goes to the therapist? He, he that was and, stupid. The, and the boogeyman comes out, he's like, You're you're gonna die. Yeah. <laughs> it's me the boogeyman. <laughs> it's me the boogeyman. <laughs> Um, um, wait, can you ex- can you explain to me why you liked the, the man, man who, who loved, loved flowers. flowers so much? Okay, so the man who loved flowers is um it's it's a Super very short. it's a really like um uh, saccharine uh, story about a man who's like walking down the street and everyone who sees him is like, like oh this guy's that's in love. a young man in love and it's like it's really weird the whole time you're mm. like obviously something is wrong here because it's not right. what Stephen King writes stories about but so this guy's walking down the street he's like shaking hands with men like hugging old ladies and he buys some flowers and whatever mm. and then he finally goes and gets to his you know his date he hands her the flowers and she's like what are you talking about I'm not whatever her name is and then he freaks out pulls out a hammer and kills her yep that's it it's so good. I, was it was it just his? Is he pining after his one wife always? Like he he's always he's looking for this woman, Norma, after her right? And he's like, I think he's doing the same thing over and over. Right. Where it's like he finds a woman and it's like, oh, she seems cool. Oops, I killed her. Yeah, I yeah. just like if you're gonna do stories with horror stories with like a gotcha, like that's a good one. Yeah, I thought that was. Uh, I thought the gotcha was good. I just yeah. felt like I I don't know. I the the the, the I guess the the story that pairs kind of with that in the book that I liked and you didn't like kind of the reverse of it was strawberry spring, which, which is saccharine in a different way. And it's like, so strawberry spring for people who don't know is, I, I didn't know it until I read this. Is kind of the opposite. Is it a real thing or did he make that up? I feel like it's a real thing. I, I don't really know. But it's it's kind of the opposite of what people call an Indian summer where it's really mm-hmm. hot like later in uh, in fall, right? That's what Indian summer is? I think so. Have you ever heard of this? No. Uh, but anyways, strawberry spring is when all of a sudden you have a really w- warm week in the middle of winter and everything gets foggy and he said, he, you know, he... He he just crafts that setting in such he's like the way he describes the fog it's he's om- it seems like he's like affectionate for the fog and he like loves the fog and he loves mm-hmm. this like melting weird kind of warm cold setting and like people are hurrying around on college campus and I I just thought that and then th- the same thing happens like there's a murder on this college campus no one knows who it is the narrator's narrating like what happens and then it turns out the narrator um is like the one doing it at the end uh yeah because he's just like someone my girlfriend was mad at me she thinks i was with a woman last night and And he's he's like like, oh dear god i think i was oh dear god i think i was too yeah Uh and he's like um i looked it up i think he made up strawberry spring really that's Mm -hmm. pretty cool he's very clever he's a a smart guy hashtag stephen king propaganda stephen king propaganda (laughs) all right here's the other ones i loved i am the doorway yeah, I at first I didn't like it, and then I thought about it a little bit more, and I I I did like it more, and I want to hear your how it connects to the the stories you put on 
on the dock. Oh, yeah. Because so I, I think that will increase my appreciation. Yeah. So first of all, I loved it because it was Stephen King doing sci-fi, which I yeah. feel like he never really does or he doesn't normally do well. Yes. Um, so uh, there were two things that it made me think of. Um, and it's the cover of the book, which I really like. It is also the really cool cover of the book. Um, the two things that I thought of when I was reading Eye in the Doorway. Um, wh- have you? So have you ever read Duma Key or The Talisman? Uh, no, I, I know a little bit about Duma Key. I believe it's the author who writes stuff and it comes to life mm-hmm. and he lives on the beach. And it's really good. Is it's it one really of my favorites. I have it, I have it in my apartment, so yeah. I want to read it. I, re- I really love it. So, um, so there's a, there's a scene at the beginning. So the, the main character is in a wheelchair and he lives sort mm-hmm. of on the beach. Um, and that feels a lot like a character in Duma Key yeah. who's in a wheelchair on a beach. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh. And Duma Key's written later it's it's way later it's way yeah. later so i wonder like i want to say it's like 2000s th- it doesn't have anything to do with going to venus or anything though right no okay i was no. gonna say that no. so i wonder no alien component but it like just these sort of these yeah scenes. i mean so it's, it's like int- he and it's i like i feel like if we picked it apart further this whole thing we could find even more small puzzle pieces like yeah. that it's like okay this trouble like a sea this trouble this him. trouble character on the beach in the wheelchair i'm gonna take that little puzzle piece and put it into this other yeah. thing and like all of these little puzzle pieces mixed yeah. in in a really well, weird and way. So the other thing that it reminded me of, there's a scene where the so the same guy who's in a wheelchair is like mm. waving at a kid who he sees every day who's across oh, the beach. Yeah. And in the talisman, it's the opposite where there's a kid on the beach who sees an old man every day that he waves oh. at. So like it, ju- I'm sure that maybe wasn't but intentional, but, but like that's cool. that scene of like two lonely people yeah, waving at each other beach. across the beach clearly mm-hmm. like meant something mm-hmm. to him. Yeah, um, and in the in uh, in I am the doorway, like he just like. The the way that the aliens come to Earth is a un- pretty unique flavor. Also, yeah. like they come through. Um, if you didn't, because I uh, we I'll just for the for the listeners out there, yeah. uh, this guy he's an astronaut comes to Earth, crash lands. They like went on a mission to Venus. All of a sudden, like all these eyeballs start appearing all over his hands, and he can start seeing stuff through them. But then the aliens can basically start controlling him through mm-hmm. the eyeballs, and then eventually they like cast a lightning bolt down on someone else so they just are going yeah. crazy uh oh yeah and then he cuts off his own hands yeah and then doesn't he like and then he, he gets ready to kill himself at the end yeah yikes sad oh well so that was a good story that um, one was really the, good though the other one so we both love trucks i think that might be that yeah. was one of the two that we both gave yes. five stars to i really like um it. trucks was really good and yeah. i felt like that was so that was stephen king at his best and one of the other themes i felt like in this book was like stupid concepts that only yes. Stephen King could make scary. That's, I like that's like, how that's do you make cars a thing that like, is scary. And I know you didn't like Lawnmower Man that much, but like it's a shitty idea that becomes that feasible. That is really gross, yeah. Like, like I think that's true for all of these things. Yeah. Like, every single one of these concepts it's like how do you make like toy soldiers scary? How yeah. do you make a bird scary? Like all he, you know, he's really good yeah. at just I, I don't know yeah. how he does it's that. It's like I, uh, yeah, I don't I mean I don't I don't know how much we can really talk about trucks but it, it could because it is such a simple idea right it, like how m- we don't need to say anything else besides all of the cars on planet earth becomes become alive yeah well and I think the way he does that is like he he like builds up the humanity of the people who mm. are trapped in that situation and yeah. then as they get taken out one by one it's yeah. like the survivors have no option but to keep yeah. the trucks alive mm-hmm. and he, I think he and he does this with the other stories as well um teases out this bleak future a little bit where it feels like the world's ending like and this is like yeah. he's like you know all the humans are going to be slaves and uh, yeah like he always at the end of it like draws back out to the bigger picture um and it, and the picture is more f- more clearly painted in trucks i think because he alludes like i hope there's people in the planes yeah end. but um yeah it's just like a more really good ending. it's a more um he really strongly encom like creates that world view of like truck world yeah truck world truck world trademark I'd, Stephen I'd, King. I'd go there for a vacation yeah <laughs> i don't feel like that's what you should get out of this story i'd go to i don't you think you'd have fun at truck world i mean i'm talking of like disneyland for a trucks. fun truck world yeah, fun okay truck world. not this one which will eventually come alive but yes there was only one story that both of us gave one star gray matter gray matter the worst story ever written Mm, no, it wasn't that By bad. Anyone. Even I think it was okay. It was just that was just out of some of these, which are you know the formulaic standard fare. This was the standardest, most standard fare of all. But yeah, it was just like nothing. There was nothing too much. To yeah, 
I one thing that I did notice about Grey Matter is that uh, it was a Stephen King story where he talked about Bangor, not mm-hmm. the the fictional town of Derry, which he made up based mm-hmm. on Bangor, um, because that didn't Derry didn't show up until it, which was in yeah. eighty six. But interestingly, the connection that I found that that you were asking about oh. was in Grey Matter. Uh, in oh, Grey Matter, it? one of the workers goes into the sewers and sees a spider the size of a dog. Really? And and comes back up with white hair, and he says there was all kitties in the spider web. I don't know how I missed that. It's it's kind of a throwaway line, but I yeah. um, I was like, oh fuck, that's like clearly a reference to it. Yeah. Um, and it's in Bangor before. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you th- like? And that's that's uh, we t- again we I don't want to rehash it too much, but it's like, do you think? Do you think that's the seed of it? Like he's just like this. He's like, what if there was a giant spider? Like he threw that in there, and yeah. he's like, you know what? What if, what if this giant spider was was a a big fucking problem? Or like, what yeah, if? Yeah, like wha- a huge spider. Like, what if it was a, uh, uh, right? And it, it's it's like so. I don't know. It's it's interesting to see just like one small detail that clearly, maybe not clearly, but it seems to have led to you know one of his biggest novels. Yeah. I think that's a good segue into the connections yeah, in so. this book. Um, so because I actually found an it connection oh. elsewhere, um, it might be a stretch, but in Jerusalem's lot at the towards the end, mm-hmm. he's got a passage that says. So I think it's after they burn the book in the church, yep. and he says, "But it still lives. The burning of the book thwarted it, but you know whatever he mm-hmm. goes on to say, and it is capitalized." Yeah, no, I noticed that as well. So I think maybe that's like. It as a concept, yes. like this horrific thing yep. that shapeshifts. And, and, and uh, like, I view Jerusalem's Law as the as the precursor to, like, obviously Salem's Law. But then, you know, because of this Lovecraftian style with all of the old mythical horror, like, it might have been, what's the family name, the Boons or something, like, it might have been them that, that brought... Pennywise to and everything in in there in the beginning. Yeah. I, though. Oh no, no. Actually, isn't Pennywise? Don't they say in it that it's from like prehistoric era? Yeah, but maybe that's how it got into Maine. Maybe, yeah. They summoned it. <laughs> yeah. But the yeah, so that was a connection. Yeah. So so that's it. Um. In so Children of the Corn. Yeah. There was a crazy Randall Flag connection. Yeah. Do you know what it is? No. Okay, so uh, so first of all, there's obviously there's the connection with the corn. Like there's all the so in yeah. I'm reading the stand right now. And there's a lot of and the stand has all the stuff about shit. like the corn and everyone's yep. having visions of the corn, whatever. Um, so apparently, so you know the bad guy in Children of the Corn is called He Who Walks Behind the Rose. Yep. In that phrase, the name Walter is there in order. What? So here I have it written down here. He who walks behind the rose. That's like kind of crazy, uh, right? So, uh, so Randall Flagg's other name is Walter, Walter Odin. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is true or not, but that seems like a pretty crazy. And and, um, and isn't Randall Flagg often referred to as like the walking dude, the walking mm-hmm. man, and like yep. that whole idea of walking around where you shouldn't be? Walking around, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think that's I think that's definitely a connection of some sort. Yeah. Um, we talked about Salem's Lot. Obviously, there's a couple stories in there related to it. Yep. We talked about Hemingford Home, which is everywhere. Um, Night Surf obviously has Captain Trips. That's like a precursor yep. to That's it or to the stand. To the stand. Um, there's other short stories about Captain Trips, isn't there? I think so. Or there's a, there's some other. There's at least one. I don't. Re- let me look it is up. Is the stand the only major novel that deals with Captain Trips, though? Besides, where in the Dark Tower they go into that reality where everyone's dead from Captain Trips. I don't I know. There so was it another has one. Night I could be wrong. Surf? I, I thought there was another one too. But maybe not. I will say I've noticed that the um, Stephen King wiki is not as complete as DairyConnection.com. So self promo. If, <laughs> if you're looking for a full list of Stephen King connections, the real list. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then the last one, you sort of already mentioned this, but um, in trucks, so not only is it sort of the inspiration for Christine, yeah. but in trucks, one of the first cars that pulls into the lot is a Plymouth Fl- Fury. Which is what Christine is. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So pretty crazy. <coughs> um, okay. We've talked for a really long time. Do you have any final thoughts on Night Shift? My only final thought, and it's relevant to the connections, is um, 
and it's relevant to the Dark Tower a little bit. Stephen King has this whole idea that like the the world can be like peeled back and behind it is like all this chaos and all these monsters and it feels like all these stories are instances where those monsters have passed over. Yeah. And like I don't think this was his theory when he wrote it because he's just writing like horror stories for money so he can live, but it's interesting to consider like his whole brand and the fact that like there's this whole world of monsters right on the other side of the veil and you know, in certain instances, they poke through and you get to see or they get through and it's yeah. like really bad. It's almost like when he was writing stories because he had to, the monsters were right there. Yeah. And when he was writing them because he wanted to, he was able to put them behind like a wall. Mm. You know, he was able to build a different world for them. Yeah. That's weird. <laughs> Brendan, final thoughts? Sounds like a good book. <laughs> it is. <laughs> um. My final thoughts are uh, I did not think this was his strongest showing of short stories. What are, Give me the other connect other uh, compilations I of short so stories. I, I tend to prefer his novellas to the short stories. I think when he has more time to like play mm. around with the characters, it's better. But I just read um, Skeleton Crew. Okay, I haven't read that which one. Which I, I just... I feel like the stories in there are a little bit strong. They're a little more like Stephen Kingy and interesting. Is it all short stories or it no yeah. is it novellas? I, uh, let me see. There might be like um, oh, it does have the mist in it, so that's like okay, the one longer, longer one. story. But um, they're they're really good. Uh, cool. Well, Joe, thank you so much. Thank for you for being having on me. My show. I was very happy to talk about Stephen King for a do long you, time. Do you on a scale of one to ten, how much do you love Stephen King? <sighs> ten out of ten. That is the right answer. Why do you think I'm on this podcast, baby? Because you love Stephen King. Exactly. Um, if you saw one other Stephen King book or story on Broadway, you could like invent the oh thing that would shit. be on Broadway. What would it be? Uh, a Broadway adaptation of... I feel like Carrie would be a really good Broadway. I think that would be Because it needs to be... It can't be too far out there with, like, if you have something crazy, like in a, a big monster, like that's going to look gross on stage. So you need something that has like that, that reality factor set in. Yeah. I feel like Firestarter could be cool. I don't know that one. Or it I haven't read Drew it. had Barrymore in it. Nope. I haven't seen any movies. Well. <laughs> 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 all right. Well, Joe, thank you so much um, for all of you listening out there. Read Night Shift if you want. It's good. Definitely watch the Lawnmower Man movie. I'm going to yes. very soon. Joe, maybe you can come back and let us know how that movie is. Hey, if you'll have me back, I'm happy to come back. So. We would love to have you. We here at the Dairy Connection podcast. Cool. Okay, <laughs> bye. Bye. Love you. <laughs> you will find the Dairy Connection and we can party like it's 6 1999.